Hello, and welcome to the sermons of Our Savior Lutheran Church in Fort Capel, Saskatchewan. I'm Pastor Joshua Curtinbach. Today, we were, are celebrating the 11th Sunday after Pentecost. The Holy Gospel for this sermon is from the Gospel according to St. John, the 6th chapter. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me, and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should not lose anything of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. So the Jews grumbled about him, because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, Is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he now say, I have come down from heaven? Jesus answered them, Do not grumble among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father, except he who is from God, he has seen the Father. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven, so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that come, came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. This is the word of the Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you, from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our Lord continues with his discourse exactly where we left off last week, as he preaches to those who followed him not because they believed in him, not because they saw the signs he performed, but because they ate their fill of the bread in the wilderness. The Lord has told them all must all they must do to have eternal life is to believe in him, the Son the bread of life from heaven. Yet they do not, and they will not believe. And the Lord knows this and says, You have seen me and yet do not believe. All the Father gives me will come to me. These Jews rejected Jesus the Christ because they could not believe his words, that his flesh is true food and his blood is true drink, and that by believing in him they will live in the world to come. Instead, they trust in the twisting of the scripture by the Pharisees, who taught that in order to gain life, or at least gain a better station in the new life, one needed to follow the oral Torah and the tradition of the elders. This tradition of the elders they called the oral Torah. They believed that God gave it secretly to Moses to pass on to people, but not to write it down. They claimed that these traditions that they held to had the same authority as the very words of Scripture breathed out by God. What Jesus was preaching was very different, and so they couldn't believe Jesus, but rather believed in themselves and their works and their ability in order to live. But this is not only a problem among the Pharisees. The ancient pagan philosophers could not believe that the true God was like the gods of their myths, so utterly human and fallible and at times outright evil. No, they thought rightly that God was above all of that, beyond it. They arrived at that through their reason, which the true God had given them. 
but they continued using such reason to arrive at the idea that one found communion with God through their contemplation or virtuous living. And while such virtuous living is a godly thing for our society and communities, it can't bring us to the Father. Today as well, there are all sorts of attempts to do the same thing, just with different emphasis. Even among Christians, whether it's in the form of Roman Catholicism's Lumen Gentium, which claims that any pagan that does not know Christ, but who lives in such a way that he is following the will of God as he understands it, will be saved by that life. Or whether it is the even more radical liberal Christian view that God will save all, no matter their faith or lack thereof, so long as they live a good life. However, all of these miss the point, and aim in one capacity or another to gain the Father by works, to gain life by going around Christ and faith in him. This is the way of our flesh. It bristles at the idea that we are helpless in regards to life. It seeks to find a way to work itself to life. But none of these ways will get us to God. We can't go around Christ. We cannot work or reason ourselves to Christ or even to faith in him. No, no one can come to Christ unless he is drawn by the Father. And even we, when faced with a troubled conscience, can fall into this trap. When we are burdened by our consciences that are heavy laden with guilt or sin, it's often our first instinct to try to work it into a clean one, to scrub it clean with our elbow grease of good works. But we cannot clean our own consciences any more than we can reason our, or work our way to faith to begin with. But here, brothers and sisters, these comforting words of Christ, all that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. How sweet it is to hear that the will of Christ is one with the will of his Father. For truly, as one God, one being, they share a nature, a mind, a purpose, and a will. And what is this will? To save the one who believes in Christ. The will of God is to save you, not to save you after you've done your best, not to save you by giving you the first step which you complete, not to save you by cooperating with you. No, his will is to save you from start to finish, from drawing you to Christ and giving you to him, to never casting you out because you have come to him, that is, you believe in him, to the son never losing any that the father has given him. Yes, we can reject Christ, but he will not reject you. We can leave him and forsake him, but he will never leave nor forsake you. We can cast ourselves out of his hand, out of his ark of salvation, and into the storm-tossed sea of death, but he will never cast you out. Again, our fallen flesh doesn't like this idea. It would rather work, trust in itself and its own merits, rather than in the merits of Christ. Our flesh along with the devil and the world, trouble our consciences and urge us to clean them on our own. But brothers and sisters, at those times, look to Christ. Look to him who said, All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. Look to him who promised, This is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life. And I will raise him up on the last day. 
And if you fear that you are not drawn by the Father, do you have faith? Do you believe what we confess in the creed that Jesus is God's only Son, born of the Virgin Mary, that he suffered and died for you? Do not doubt, then, brothers and sisters, but believe. For the Father's drawing is not something that's speculative and hidden, but he draws and preserves through the word and sacraments. For he draws to Christ through his holy word, in which the Holy Spirit works to grant and preserve the gift of faith. He draws through holy baptism, where the Holy Spirit regenerates us. And by faith we are united with Christ, and through him the whole Godhead who dwells in us. He draws and perseveres through the blessed sacrament, where the bread of life who gave his flesh for the life of the world and the cross gives you his glorified body and blood, so that you partake in the fruits of his sacrifice, the forgiveness of sins, life, and salvation. See and believe. For our Lord has promised, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. Our life, and thus our righteousness and our salvation, is purely by faith and faith alone, apart from works, so that no one may boast before God. For the will of the Father is that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and he will raise him up on the last day. This is where a troubled conscience finds rest. This is where we find salvation. But then, does that mean we reject works? Do we reject good works done in faith? By no means, for faith demands good works. It produces and encourages good works. The important thing is the order. We cannot reason ourselves to faith, nor work or love ourselves to life. But we, who have been brought to faith, who believe in Jesus Christ our Lord, then go about using our sanctified reason to understand the word of God and perform good works which manifest our love towards our neighbors. To put it simply, a good work does not justify, but a justified person does good works. The good works do not make the Christian, but the Christian does good works. Or to quote our Lord, a good tree is known by its fruit. That is, a fruit doesn't make the tree. A tree is not an apple tree because it makes apples. No, an apple tree makes apples because it's an apple tree. It is God's will to draw you to Christ, brothers and sisters, to give you into his hand to save you by faith. Then it is his will that you, having been saved by him, love him and your neighbor as outlined in the Ten Commandments. And with our neighbor that is shown by the second table, that you honor and respect the government and parents, that you do not harm your neighbor but help them in every physical need, that you do not commit adultery, fornication, or sexual impurity, that you do not steal, but rather look out for your neighbor and give to those in need, that you do not slander or lie, but defend the truth and speak well of your neighbor. These are the things that God desires of his children, that you build up one another, those whom he has saved. Not that we are saved by doing this. No, that's only by believing in, by coming to the bread of life, Jesus Christ. These are the things that the saved ones do. And it's sometimes, even often, a struggle. Because we're not perfectly purified. Our flesh is not perfectly mortified. We do not always keep the law perfectly. We do not always do the things we desire in our renewed being. We still fall to sins of weakness. But our Lord desires that we take comfort in him. For he will not cast out those who come to him. For he has died as a sacrifice to atone for our sin and he imputes his righteousness to us by faith. Thus, he who draws us to himself and has given us faith draws us to repentance, that we may firmly trust in his promise of forgiveness. 
so that we may take comfort in our standing before God and be encouraged as we continue in this life as his children, continuing to mortify our flesh and passions by the Holy Spirit. And the sacrament of Christ's body and blood is especially comforting in this. It especially strengthens us. For all who partake in his body and blood in faith receive him to their benefit. When you receive his body and blood, believing and trusting in what he who gives his body to you has done for you, he enlivens you by his glorified and living body. He strengthens you to continue in the world that hates him and thus you, and to love God and your neighbor, even if they don't love you back. By the same salutary gift, the bread of life strengthens your faith in him by his mercy, and kindles a burning love towards our neighbors. Thanks be to God for this great gift of saving faith, and for his working in us through his word and sacraments. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Thank you again for joining us for this, the 11th Sunday after Pentecost. We pray that you would have a blessed week. And now, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.